Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sticky Sports Podcast Season 3, episode number 54 on this Feel Good Friday. In today's episode, we'll talk about the Bucks winning the NBA Finals and Giannis taking home Finals MVP, Devontae Adams declining his extension with the Green Bay Packers, Texas and Oklahoma may have to move to the SEC, and a Big 12 collapse might be coming soon. NFL teams will have to forfeit games next season if a COVID outbreak occurs. Michael Thomas has an ankle injury, which will cause him to miss some time in the 2021 NFL season. And lastly, Cam Akers will miss the 2021 season with a torn Achilles. So without further ado, let's dive on in. And we begin today's episode with the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA Finals. So after 50 plus years, since 1971, the Milwaukee Bucks finally bring home a championship to the city of Milwaukee. They win in six games, Bucks in six, Brandon Jennings, that whole thing. And Giannis took home finals MVP, had 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks, and a closeout game six. Bobby Portis, also a massive game with 16 points off the bench. But yeah, this was pretty much a team effort from Milwaukee and give them a ton of credit because, you know, when Dante DiVincenzo went down with injury, a lot of people thought in that Nets series that that was going to be the deciding factor. And, you know, sure, the Nets obviously had injuries themselves, but, you know, let's not act like the Bucs didn't deal with injuries too. Giannis in that Eastern Conference Finals in that Game 5, series tied 2-2, no Giannis, no Trey. The Bucs, you know, stepped up big, got that Game 5 win at home in, in Milwaukee, and now they're NBA champions. And as a person who, you know, thought the Bucs wouldn't win, as a person who thought, you know, Giannis couldn't be the number one option on a championship team, I, he made me eat my words this postseason. And, you know, no matter how it came, he did it. And, you know, he beat the Heat. Jimmy Butler, the, a, a team that I thought, you know, actually would beat the, the Bucs this season. Obviously, you know, that was probably one of the stupidest takes I could possibly make. But, you know, Giannis really did it every step of the way in the Game 7 of that Nets series, dropping like 49 points in that Game 7. I mean, just give him credit. And obviously the conversations are starting of, you know, is he a top two power forward of all time? I'm not sure if I'm going too far because I think he'll be there at the end of his career. But number two right now, ahead of Carl Malone and and guys like that, I just can't see it. But yeah, the Bucs, it kind of, you know, obviously begs the question, can they run it back next season? And the Bucs only had one lottery pick on their entire roster. And they were able to, you know, pull off this feat as a small market team, you know, really only just trading and, and drafting guys, not really signing any marquee guys to their team. And two trades they made, I think, was, you know, obviously the key part of this championship was Chris Middleton, you know, bringing him in from Detroit, his rookie season. That was a steal of a trade. And as well as, you know, you know obviously picking up Drew Holiday, you know, this past off season. So um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty surprised. Um, I, I saw Middleton was also a second-round pick as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, small market team too, like you said, but – I kind of respect what they've done. Um, I get trading for guys. That's what you have to do when you're in a small market, considering you're probably not going to attract a free agent. Um, Giannis seems like he's going to stay there for a long time, which is good. And I like how they didn't really, like, form a super team. Um, you know, it's not like they got, like, a true superstar to join. They got all-stars, but not superstars. So I respect them for doing that. Uh, this, to me, is the right way to win a championship. Giannis has the resume, you know, probably the best we've ever seen for someone at the age of 26 at this point. Um, and you know, the sky's the limit for the guy, honestly, you know, if the bucks are a top three seed next year in the Easter conference, I could see him possibly winning an MVP again, you know? So 
it's only, you know, on up here. And like he said, he's happy with just this one ring. And I, you know, I respect that. I mean, we've been talking all playoffs over and over again about how good we like, like how much we liked Bobby Portis, how, how we thought he could have an impact. And look what happened. So, you know. Yeah, Bobby Portis was huge. Um, and, you know, another thing that everybody kept saying, I, I remember seeing this during the Nets series a lot. If the Bucks win the title, I would still fire Mike Budenholzer. He's so bad. And I think that was just the most ridiculous thing ever. Mike Budenholzer is a solid coach. He might not be the best, but he's a very solid coach. He experimented a lot with some new lineups in the finals. We saw Tucker, Portis, and Lopez all on the floor, and they actually put together some good stretches. So, you know, props to Budenholzer. He really, he, he did his job. He made adjustments, which everybody said he wasn't capable of. And I think he deserves some credit for, you know, coaching this team well, keeping them together and helping them win a championship. Yeah, definitely. One thing uh, I want to talk about, or two things actually, is two different conversations people have been having about Giannis Antetokounmpo since, you know, he won the championship. And that's, you know, if he's, what, where he ranks all time at power forwards, whether it's behind, you know, Dirk Nowitzki still, Kevin Garnett, Carl Malone, three guys I think he's all still behind at this particular moment. Obviously, you know, another MVP could definitely put him over the top. But I think when we look at the all-time power forwards with Tim Duncan, Dirk, you know, KG, Carl Malone, he still has some work to do with those guys. And obviously people are, some are, you know, rushing to conclusions saying he's already top two, only behind Tim Duncan at this particular moment, which I don't know. I mean, I think that's recency bias. Another conversation people are having is if Giannis or where Giannis ranks right now, currently as a player in the NBA. A lot of people think he's the best player in basketball. He's you know, ahead of, guys like Le- ahead of guys like LeBron James, Steph Curry, KD. Others like, you know, Nick and Frank, obviously just you know, kind of said, number three, ahead, you know, maybe below guys like, you know, Curry and KD, I'm assuming. Is that is what, where you guys no, are? No, I think probably ranking? LeBron for me, KD and LeBron. Probably LeBron. And then Giannis. Okay, so KD and LeBron. But you get the point. So a lot of people have him top three, top four. And, you know, maybe number two, number one. Well, if but, you yeah. don't have him top four, I don't know what you're watching. I mean, like, have you? I have him number four. I have him yeah, number four, if, to be honest. I, that, and that's I, fair. But if, if you have him any lower than that, I just feel like, what are you watching? I had him four before the finals win, and then I just bumped him up ahead of LeBron. But I, I could see the top four going any way you want at this point. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that, you know, look at LeBron's first half of the season. He was, you know, the MVP. He could have been up there. Look at Kevin Durant and his numbers and his efficiency this past season. Look at Curry, what he did. This was an historic season. He would have been an MVP if they were decent. And then look what Giannis just did in the playoffs. So you could have a good argument for all of them to be number one on the list. No one would really be mad. So yeah, but here's why I have him number four. I think people overrate rings so much in today's current NBA. If Kevin Durant's foot, and this is not discrediting the title, but if Kevin Durant's foot is a little closer then Giannis is what, now he's not a top seven player in the league anymore because Kevin Durant's foot's an inch closer. Like, people are overrating. Because I know, Frank, you certainly would have Giannis outside of the top seven. You would have him below Luka. You would have him below all these guys. But now because Kevin Durant's foot is a a yard back, he's top three now. I think that's where we, you know, we go too far. Rings are, rings, we overrate rings and how much they mean to a current player. I don't necessarily think so. That was the only knack on Giannis's resume that he hasn't performed in the playoffs and he did. So that's why he moved up. Also, he performed unbelievably well. It's not just a ring. It's a lot more So if Kevin, but if, if, so let's say if James Harden just healthy the whole time, 
So James Harden just being healthy now puts Giannis back four spots. There's what ifs with all of these rings. Like, what if Ray Allen didn't make the shot for LeBron? What no, if like, I Michael agree. Jordan didn't have his guys make shots? What if like there's so many what ifs? But at the end of the day, it's about what happened. And what happened is Giannis absolutely dominated the NBA Finals. He had one don't, of the best don't, don't, you've ever seen. Don't you think though that what with these particular what ifs that it, it, isn't it unfair to just say that he would be a four pl- spots worse if he if it didn't happen? Well, the injury one, I kind of get, but I think, I think the Kevin Durant, if his foot was shorter, I think that's ridiculous. Oh, no, no, that's, okay, that's fair. But that's like, such a rid- ridiculous hypothetical. I don't, I don't honestly see the argument that Giannis is now number three if James Harden is, is just hurt, and now he's number he's number seven, though, if, if James Harden plays. Well, I know, me, I know. That, you guys. He, like he Giannis, was the same player. He was the same player, Giannis. He was the same yeah, exact player. He got an opportunity to prove himself on the biggest stage, though, and he took advantage of it. And I know you guys weren't really Giannis fans before, but Giannis was in my top five coming into all of this anyway. So this, you know, this didn't really surprise me as much. You know, I know you guys had Milwaukee losing in the first round of the playoffs. I personally didn't. So I was I was a Giannis fan the whole season. And, you know, he took advantage of his opportunity. He he shined. He had 50 points. 50 points was at the fourth time ever, I think. And he he just absolutely crushed it. It was incredible to watch. So I think he, he deserves recognition. And then going on to your other point of where he ranks all time, honestly, his accolades, you know, he has the two MVPs, the defensive player of the year, the all-star MVP, now the finals MVP. It's honestly, I think the only power forward who has better accolades right now is Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Now, obviously, I don't think he's better than Carl Malone yet. I think he's getting very close to Dirk and KG, but a lot of it comes with longevity and just compiling stats because part of what like makes these guys so high all time is they all have like 30,000 career points. You know, they're like top 10 in all these stats. So I think Giannis has a ways to go, but he, in my eyes, he will be this, at least the second best power forward of all time by the well, time look, he's retired. Easily. And, you know, if they no. win another, oh. you could put him right in that conversation with Duncan almost. Carl Malone, guys, though, he won. He was a first-team All-NBA in, at 37 years old. He won an MVP at 36. Mm-hmm. Carl Malone, I mean, if you just think about it, he has 14 All-NBAs. Giannis has what, like four, five, four, I think four right now. Giannis he, is going to have an opportunity to win like eight or nine more of those. And I agree, but that's why I'm not putting him ahead of Carl Malone right now because not that's assuming that Giannis is going to be good at 36. Because in order for Giannis to tie his All-NBAs with Malone, he'll have to be an All-NBA player until age 36, 10 years in a row. He doesn't have to tie that though. Because he already he has a championship. He's not going to tie. Malone doesn't. Not. And I don't think Carl Malone has a defensive player of the year either. Well, Malone um, does, and, does not. He does not have a defensive And Giannis player. has two MVPs. I'm not sure. I, I think Malone only Malone has, is two. Malone is two. Malone, Malone is two. two. Okay. He, yeah. So they're even on that. But, I mean, Giannis has so many accolades. And what's stopping him from winning MVP again next year, you know? And then he, he's always going to be in the all-defensive first-team conversation, which I think is a huge bonus. Not enough people talk about that. Um, so he'll, he'll be top two all time by the time he's retired, no, I think. look. I'm not discrediting what you're saying. He'll be the best by the time he retires. It's possible. Yeah. But, you know, Tim Duncan has five. That's a. That's all a I'm lot. saying. All I'm saying is that Giannis is gonna. I mean, he's got a long way to go, and especially yeah. with Giannis's game, it doesn't really translate to a game that's gonna, you know, age like fine wine at age 35, 36. He hasn't had the you know, the the, the finesse, like the skill to kind of you know transform his game into his mid mid late 30s. So. Giannis, he, his peak will be way better than these guys. I think it's pretty obvious. Like He'll be the guy his peak is just insanely high, but his longevity might not be there, especially because at the start of his career too, he wasn't the best player at the start of his like first three, four seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. He's just got to take advantage of his peak because honestly, he's still only 26. He might not even be in his prime yeah. yet. It might be 27, 28. 
if he can win another championship, another MVP or two, you know, he's going to be one of the all-time greats. He's got to. You know what? I think he's already an all-time great. Mm-hmm. You know what? He has a huge advantage because the league is about to turn over. Durant, LeBron, Curry. You know, these guys are almost on their way out. And you know, besides Giannis and Luca, you know that that's really the next face. Jason Tatum, obviously Anthony Davis, still, but you know he's the best out of all those guys already, and he's already got one ring under his belt, and he's probably got the best supporting cast. Yeah, out but of all front offices, front offices will dictate how that kind of you know happens. Oh, for sure. Boston has Jalen Brown. You know, who knows? Maybe they get a third star one day, and then you know the, the whole landscape of the yeah, Eastern Conference changes. And we're, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that is really, and this is the thing I think is so unfair to Giannis. And it's honestly such a shame and why I hate rings so much. It's because Giannis, if he stays in Milwaukee, guys, he might not win a championship ever again. I like, ever again. They have no, their, no. their core four under contract for three more seasons. You know, maybe next season they don't win it because the Nets will be back. But after that, the, but the, then the Nets are, like, the the are going to be back again then. They're going to be back for like three, three no, more seasons. That's they all have that, to opt in and things yeah. get messy from there. But the Nets True. players are only really under contract for next season. But Graf, what you know I'll what? say is if that if they don't win next season, I can really see, realistically see them all opting out. Okay, guys, guys, let me let me get to my point because what I was saying is that Giannis, um, if he doesn't win another championship in Milwaukee, all of a sudden it's going to be his fault. But if he joins a super team, he'll get like five rings. Rings are just so pointless in today's NBA, especially because I could just be like you know like KD and join a team that's already built and just win like four more rings. And if Giannis yes, like, just con- stays in Milwaukee, it's the, con- it's the context people, of the ring. But unfor- unfortunately, people don't consider that enough. People don't well, consider that enough. That's dumb. That's dumb. I think most the people who really care enough do consider it. Like, for example, I think a lot of people value Dirk's one ring over a lot of other players' rings. You know, not all rings were built the same. So, so would um, you guys value Giannis's one ring over Durant's oh, two rings? Oh, easily. It's not even right? a question. So, like, it's close. But, yeah, Giannis has a lot of value in my eyes. Durant, well, Durant joined a team so, that was already already arguably better than Cleveland, if you look at it, because they were Draymond was suspended. Golden State was already better than Cleveland without KD. You add KD, yeah, what's going to I don't know, though. I, I think people discredit Kevin Durant too much. Like, he was the reason they became unfair, because he was so unbelievably good for them. Op- no, but obviously, but my point is, they and were like, already Kevin, better. Okay, but if you subtract Kevin Durant from that roster, they don't win the title. It's as simple as that. In 2018, they don't. You're right, because they don't beat Houston. I don't yes. think they win in 2017 either if you subtract Kevin Durant. Who, who's getting out of the way? Cleveland's going to – they lost in – I think they win 2017. They beat the Spurs. They beat well, it, the, it, the Blazers. They I don't beat know. the Jazz. It's a conversation for sure. But that's just, that's just a bunch of what-ifs. At the end of the day, Giannis's ring holds a lot of value to me. And then the it fact does. that he's been so dominant in the regular season and he got rid of those myths that he couldn't produce in the postseason, that just holds a lot of value to me. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. All right, let's move on now to the NFL. And another player from Wisconsin, but, you know, we got another problem. Devontae Adams has declined his contract extension. Rappaport said that the Packers and Adams are now in a bad place as they were apparently working on a long-term extension. But obviously, the, you know, the news of Aaron Rodgers and the shakeup with that has put this now with Devontae Adams in a bad shape. Uh, what does the future hold for Aaron Rodgers? Because to me, I think he has one year left playing on his current deal. Um, you know, I could really see Rodgers just playing this last year, sticking it out, and I could see both Rodgers and Adams on their way out of Green Bay next season. What do you guys think? Well, first of all, what a mistake. Like, they just can't handle anything, right, that Green Bay front office. Um, I read somewhere the contract was for – it was going to be a four-year extension, and I'm guessing it was going to make him the highest-paid receiver in football. So the fact that they didn't accept that says a lot. 
Um, they're they're screwed if they can't keep these guys. I mean, you have the best quarterback receiver duo in football, arguably, and like that alone won them 13 games last year. You know, their defense was solid, but they were winning games because Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were producing at such a high level. And then to not be able to keep that, they're they're gonna they're gonna go so far down the drain once these guys leave. It's unbelievable. Their future is contingent on Aaron Rodgers's, you know, where he goes. That this is exactly what this tells me. Devontae Adams is not declining it for more money. He's declining it because he knows Aaron Rodgers is at the door. So mm-hmm. he doesn't want to, you know, kind of because and this is good because what Kevin, this is what exactly Kevin Love didn't do in Cleveland that one time when LeBron James left and he's like, oh, he only signed a four-year deal. And then he gets mad at himself. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm now I'm mad that I'm stuck in Cleveland. Well, Devontae you Adams do is doing the smart thing. And he's saying, you know, I'm not putting myself in that situation. Why would I do that? That's that's stupid. So I'm I'm leaving. And I'm leaving. I'm just going to be out the door with Rodgers. And that's what I think about it. So he's going to hit free agency next year? That's going to be crazy. There's I mean, gonna be some really high bidders for that. There will be giants if, on the top. Know, if you're any team in the NFL, you'd be absolutely fucking crazy if you didn't pick up the phone and call Devontae Adams. Um, so, you know, every team will be interested. But maybe Rodgers and Adams go to the same place. You know, you, I could definitely see that being a possibility. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of it is, what about Las the Vegas. Las Vegas Raiders? Because, yeah. you know, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams are very close friends. You know, they played together. Uh, they both went to the same college, Fresno State. So, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But I think ultimately, you know, the Packers messed up big time. They had their one shot last year. You know, like you guys said, they were carried by Rodgers and Adams. Adams had 18 touchdowns and Rodgers had like 51. It's our whole offense. I mean, yeah. People always try to say, oh, but the defense improved. I don't care about the defense. Aaron Rodgers had potentially the best season ever for a quarterback. That's what won them football games last year. It's as simple as that. I mean, think about it just alone. You take Rodgers and Adams off the roster. How many games did they win? Four? Five? Four max, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the defense ain't winning them games. I mean, yeah, the, and also the defense always looks better when you're putting up points and there's yeah. pressure on the opposing offense. And you can you play know. more aggressive, you know, more aggressively or more conservatively because and of for, that. And remember that – like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they accounted for like 18 touchdowns just passing to one another. Like their impact, those two players, accounts for like over half of their offense and probably even more because Aaron Rodgers himself is just a quarterback. He's just a guy. Like that, taking a number, a top two offense away with their two best players, the engine of that offense, taking them away makes them a five-win team. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Adams makes everyone else's job easier by getting double teamed. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're overestimating. I don't see how they win five games. They don't have a true number two. They have like a few guys who are, you know, in and out of the rotation. And then they, they don't, they only have um, Aaron Jones. Now they don't have Jamal Williams anymore. So like, they're just, they don't have a lot of like, you know, playmakers on the offense. And then without Aaron Rodgers, are you putting in Blake Bortles or Jordan Love? Like you're just Blake Bortles. Drop off in production right there is so steep. It's just unbelievable. They oh, would, we'll see. They, they we'll would see. legitimately potentially be worse than the Lions. The Lions? The Lions, I mean, they don't have – who's the number one receiver? Tyrell Williams. And then Tyrell they have Williams. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, and Jared Goff. End, but... By the way, Jared Goff is way better than Jordan Love and Blake Bortles. Well, I think Jordan Love's being like dis- – like, bro, we haven't even seen the guy I mean, play I'm just yet. going off of reports that I've seen where people clearly aren't confident in Jordan Love. And by the way, neither are the Packers. He wasn't even active last year as a backup for any of their games. You know what? The well, he was a rookie in a COVID season. I okay, guess. but the problem I, is – I've heard nothing good about Jordan Love, though, so far. So Exactly. I'm, if they were confident in Jordan Love, they would come out and say, you know, we're ready for Jordan Love to take over the job once Aaron's gone. Mm-hmm. And he would be – dressed as the backup if they were confident enough. They wouldn't have signed Blake Bortles and, you know, all these guys. 
You know, it's you're scary. Right. Maybe, maybe this season you're right, guys, but last season, him not being a backup, it's not like concerning to me. It was a COVID season. You couldn't really have like those. Aaron already talked about it on Pat McAfee's show. There was like, you know, those glass doors in between the lockers. Like you couldn't really talk to them, no good interactions. And he couldn't really soak in all the information that, you know, you would want. And, you know, well, guess what? And he get, he's getting none of that right now because Rodgers isn't even there. So here's, it just makes it 10 times worse. If you draft a quarterback in the first round and you're not even willing to play him as a backup, that says a lot. Like he shouldn't have been a first round pick then. And by the way, a lot of people didn't think Jordan Love should have been a first round pick. Perhaps maybe for I mean, good reason. There was a first time for everything last season. Last season was just a weird year. I don't really think that's too. Look, the, the problem was them drafting Jordan Love in the first place. I mean, just drafting him as a winning team, that's a problem, not him in the first round. Well, technically, the real problem was they got rid of Jake Kumaro. That's what started everything. Yeah, you know, yeah that, that was the supposed downfall. But, you know, that and then drafting Jordan Love. And, you know, like I said, we talked about this a couple podcasts ago or whatever. Rodgers doesn't have an owner to go to like Brady did when this situation happened when Garoppolo was, you know, kind of playing really well in practice and Belichick was, you know, thinking about starting him. He didn't have an owner to go to. He doesn't have an owner to go to and say, listen, I don't like this GM. You got to get him the hell out of here. He doesn't have that. And that's the problem. And ultimately, it's going to result in the Packers not winning anything, falling short once again, and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay by next season. By the way, how crazy is that? That the, just three seasons ago, there was a Tom Brady versus Jimmy G debate, how the, t- the tables have turned. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to some college football news that now this could be potentially huge. Texas and Oklahoma have been in talks to move to the SEC, um, and apparently this has been in the works for six months now, and nobody knew about it. And I read that it could potentially happen within the next week. This would lead to a major conference realignment. Some of the other Big 12 teams would leave to join the ACC. And the Big 12 in general would just be decimated. They might have to disband and then the rest of the teams join the Big 10 and the uh, Pac-12. But this could lead to some major college football implications. I think the main goal here is they want like six power conferences. This is what a lot of people are saying. And like all six te- conferences can send like two teams to the playoffs or something. Um, they got a well, lot to the, figure out, but this would, this would be huge. How would that be fair? The SEC would be so stacked. You would yeah, have to send two know. teams from like the SEC East or SEC West. It'd be so stacked. At this point, everything is hypothetical, but there is some concrete evidence that Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave. Um, everything well, else after that is hypothetical, though. Yeah, but look at Texas. They just got Steve Stark, um, who you know came from Alabama. They're gonna. They're always a top twenty-five team at least. And Oklahoma's, you know, arguably going to be one of the best teams of the country this year with Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler at quarterback. I mean, you add these teams to the SEC. I mean, you're going to have to be sending maybe four or five teams from the SEC to the playoff if they expand it to eight teams. How could you only send two? That'd be that'd be crazy. You would have three teams that don't make the playoffs, maybe four in the SEC that are better than the rest of the teams that make the playoffs. It wouldn't be fair. I mean, this is just crazy. Um, but you know what? Texas, Texas and Oklahoma don't want to be in you know, conferences with you know teams that hold them down in football. Um, and I understand that. But then on the flip so, side of basketball, they're bought up by the other teams. So a lot of people don't consider the basketball implications of this. Um, I mean, obviously, football brings in more money, but it's still an interesting dynamic. It's crazy. Yeah. But, like, so they're expanding the college football playoff this season, right? No. Or is that not I been officially confirmed like, yet? For a few I think it's like 2024 or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. It, it's a few years down it's the line. Tw- it's 12 or 18. Maybe 16, right? Isn't it 16? They don't maybe? know yet. They, no, like, they, they don't know yet. yet. That's what they're still trying to figure out. Because I saw on Pat Mack, I, I saw something about how oh, they no, already no. confirmed it. 
with oh, the, I, the, I, I saw the bracket. I saw like the, the proposed yeah. bracket that they made. I think they're like right. Sixteen ben. teams. I think, I think it's twelve teams. So it would start off with the top four seeds get a bye, so they get the first week off. Then it would be the other teams would play. Uh, the you know there'd be eight teams, four games. Uh, four teams would advance, so then it'd be eight teams left, and you go from eight to four down to two. But at the same time, then you got to think about it. Those teams get a bye week already. It's pretty much pretty much just like what you have now. Um, you know, they'll have more time and everything. And those top four teams are, you know, a level above. Sure, you'd see an upset or two. But ultimately, at the end of the day, one of the top four teams will end up winning the playoff regardless. But it would just bring in more games and more money. So, you know, it'd be better from a viewer's standpoint, yeah, I guess. It'd be better for college football. A lot of these teams have no purpose to play in December and January. You know, like these bowl games have lost all meaning. Yeah, now you could fight to get into the playoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at a team last year like Texas A&M. You know, they could have easily been in the playoff. Or even Florida, if, they, if that guy didn't throw the shoe. You know, those teams would have wanted a shot at the number four team. Um, mm-hmm. And we've seen in the past, a lot of times the number four team always gets their ass kicked in the first game anyways. So, you know, maybe now they, they won't make it there because they'll lose to one of the better teams. And I think this could be better. It'll be more interesting. And maybe we'll see like a Cinderella story kind of run with a team that has a little bit of momentum going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah certainly. Be- I mean, look, college football is just elevating to a new level right now. I'm excited because you have like the whole recruiting game, which I love. Like I thought Oklahoma, like with the cars that they did for like the, you know, recruiters was, was awesome because like, mm-hmm. I think bringing money into it kind of helps. Cause I feel like if there's like a billionaire who could just buy a team, like in the pac 12, some random team, like he could like, if they can have like people who just buy teams now or like buy like whatever, like this, I guess I don't know how that works, but there'll be a lot more competition now because you could just bribe people in with money to play for your school before it was like, you know, I don't want to go to, you know, Washington State if I can go to Alabama. I mean, what's the point of that? But if really Washington State's offering $3 million, I mean, I might have to reconsider I read, that. I read the um, the quarterback for Alabama, Bryce Young, has already made over a million dollars just with like a bunch I of – I saw that That's as well. crazy. Unbelievable. You know, and I'm sure he's not – you know what? One. It's big for the recruiting game now too, though. But you know what? The thing – this is the one thing that scares me. It'll separate the teams at the top from the teams at the bottom even more because, because Alabama – which is already an issue because t- teams like Alabama now with their resume, you know, that they've built up over the past, you know, Nick Saban, they're just going to separate themselves from the pack even more. I think college basketball, same way, but who yeah, knows? But college we'll basketball see. doesn't have that same issue. And at least at the very least, I think in college football, once they expand the playoffs and kind of realign the conferences, that'll give more teams a chance. Cause you know, right now, how many different teams have made the college football playoffs? I think it's like 10. And realistically, like three of those teams only made it once. So you see the same six or seven teams make it every year. So recruits only want to go to those same six or seven schools. You know, it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. It's the same schools. So that's where all the recruits are going. And I think when you expand the playoffs, that will help, you know, cancel out this effect where the top gets everything. What if uh, Bezos bought like Washington State? Like what if Bezos bought like a, like, or, like donated money to a school? Like you, may, you might have like uh, alumni of the school. Who are like billionaires, like may donate to these small football the schools, or whatever. Are very powerful, yeah. And maybe I mean, you look, change a game. Think about Stanford, for example. You know, being in Silicon Valley over there. You know, you got Google and all those big companies there. I'm sure, some of those guys went to Stanford. Um, I so, certainly did. I mean, you know, there could be did. there could be a lot of money. Um, oh, there will be a lot of money thrown in. Right. And it'll, it'll be, be a dirty game. It'll out. be a dirty game. 
Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but on the bright side, it's been a dirty game. At least it's, like, legal and out in the At open. least it's legal now. <laughs> and we'll, it's legal now, yeah. yeah. Graphs, graphs, right. It's legal now, and we, we'll be able to see it, you know, from a fan's perspective and from a watcher's perspective. Because we, we, you know, you know Duke's been playing these, paying these players. And now we're going to be able to see kind of the, some of the stuff that comes out. Like we already said, like Graf said, Bryce Young already made over a million dollars, supposedly. So it's going to be cool to see all this, you know, come to come forward and, you know, be available to the public now. Yeah, totally. It adds like a new fun element to college football. I, I'm, I'm actually like much more in, excited for next season now, but. Um, uh, I've gotten much more into college football. I, I honestly, I really, you know, would put it up there. Maybe not with the NFL, but it's definitely one of the better sports now. And I think college football to me and, you know, NCAA are just on level with the NBA, to be honest. Yeah, maybe, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I know Syracuse is terrible, but maybe they can like pay some players next season to get the, to get the ball rolling. I mean, they have a good resume in college basketball, you know, Jim Beheim. So like. They have to go pay some players potentially. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yet, or maybe yet like, uh, well, not, not, not the guy, uh, Chet Holmgren because he's already to Gonzaga, but. Whoever the next guy, like, wait, what about, wait, no, that guy already committed to, damn, so many yeah, guys committed, like, top recruit for the next three years is already, yeah, committed. they already committed, so, all right, we'll get, we'll get the seventh, the seventh graders, like Sam Presti, seventh, the seventh graders, seventh graders coming out, all right, let's move on to the NFL, once again, teams are, you know, kind of, uh, or this is actually really crazy, that NFL teams will have to forfeit games next season, if a COVID outbreak occurs, um, you know, on the team, so, Let's say, for example, there's like seven, eight guys who get COVID on a team like last season, like the Jets. Like a lot of teams had this situation last season happen where eight guys would get COVID. Like the Browns, the receiving core would just be out like the entire game. They would have to like, forfeit the game. But this is not going to happen this year, I think, because I saw something that 77% of NFL players are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So even oh, I have if- it, I have it written down here. It's 78% have at least one dose. And then 14 teams have 85% with at least one dose. There's not full, isn't it fully dose 75% or 76, 77? I think I saw something like that. I'm, I haven't seen the numbers, but it's got to be close. Cause like once you get the first dose, you get the second dose. Yeah. Like yeah. Soon. So after. I, I believe the second dose is 75% it is. And I think well that, that will cause very little, you know, outbreaks to happen. Cause last season, I mean, I don't think a team will have to forfeit a game because last season, even if a team had like, for example, like if DeAndre Hopkins, who's been very outspoken about you're not getting the vaccine, if he were to hypothetically get COVID-19, then yeah, you would have him out of the game, but you would still be able to play your matchup with the team just because he's out, especially if everyone else is va- like if Kyler Murray's vaccinated, especially if all those guys are vaccinated. So this really shouldn't be a thing that's going to happen. Like we, we won't probably see an actual like forfeit this season. We definitely won't see it, but it's like a, it's, it's definitely like something to talk about though, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting though. Can't you still get uh, the virus if you're vaccinated? Well, you can, but it's like a 0.1% chance. It's very slim they that say you can get it. The symptoms are less severe and there's a lower chance of it transmitting. And if you, and it also, they're also more lenient if you have the vaccine and like you get exposed, you won't have to like stay away from the practice facility as long. So for example, like let's just say Hopkins gets it, right? Like, and someone that's like vaccinated or whatever in the receiver room gets it, would they like have to forfeit because like two or three guys got it? Like, no, they were, I don't think so. Right. No, yeah, receiver, why? Why? It would just be like last year. Yeah. Like the receivers would just like, they'd say they were, yeah. So, I mean, that's good. Then. In their power to avoid actually forfeiting a game. Like the NFL doesn't want a game to just be canceled. You know, they're the last people that would but want guys, that. Think about it. No, no games were canceled last season with, 
no one having the vaccine. There's not going to be a game canceled this year. This is just yeah. all like just trying to scare people. It, I was going to say that's good. Actually be can- canceled. That's good though. That's good. A game won't be canceled and stuff doesn't have to be rescheduled and stuff because that was kind of a pain in the ass last year. It's good that we don't have to do that this year. But last but last year there was not, not a single game was actually canceled last year, and they were moved around like, a lot. They were yeah. moved around a lot. They figured it now, out. Now this year we, we probably won't have any reschedules this year though. No game will be rescheduled. May have one or two. Yeah, may, maybe one. one. But DeAndre Hopkins shouldn't have to retire because he doesn't want the vaccine. Like, you know, I, I don't think he will. I, I think that tweet from him originally, like maybe he was uninformed about like the whole situation. But because I think then he later tweeted that I'm going to be a problem in the NFL for nine more years plus. That's mm-hmm. what he tweeted after that. So he maybe got word from the, the Cardinals that, you know, man, you don't have to get the vaccine if you don't want to. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, and for the record, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated, but I don't really care if you don't know, get the vaccine or not. I'm fully vaccinated. Who cares? Get it. Don't get it. Whatever. But yeah, he, it's, it's well, up yeah. to the decision of the individual players. I just don't like when people, you know, try to like tear these players down for making their own decisions. We saw Leonard Fournette and uh, Cole Beasley a little while ago as well say like they didn't want to get it. I just don't like when people like tear them down as human beings. I think Twitter's just a cold place, man. There's just no way around it. Yeah, I mean, but think about it. Like, if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't want to get the vaccination, you think the Cardinals are really going to be like, bro, you have to get it. Like, he's one of their best players. You know, if he doesn't have it, make all the other receivers get it. And, and if most of them have it, then let it go. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, they need him. If he doesn't want to get it, it's his choice. And, you know, if most of the team has it and there's a few guys that don't have it, it is what it is. You know, maybe they don't believe. So, like – like you guys said, majority has it, which is good. We don't have to reschedule games. If a couple guys have it and, you know, the receiver group has to miss games because he, he's not – he doesn't have it and he gets, you know, infected, it is what it is. That's a risk you got to take with, you know, some of these guys. But if most of the team, I think 75 85% have it, they, yeah. I don't you're, – you're, you know, you're as good as gold. Listen, and with that, you notice how in the U.S. population, numbers are going down for COVID – because I believe like 75% of people are back, whatever it is. I don't, I don't, what do you mean, wait? No, they're not. They're been, they've been skyrocketing. But we had since, like 60. Since the pandemic. Since it's bro, it's down tremendously, bro. Like, I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, yeah. The no, numbers are, are rising among unvaccinated people, though. It's, yeah. It's between like the whole population. Yeah. No, there's like 62,000 cases in New Jersey, I think, now actually. Like, it's been, it so, moved up a lot. All right, so it, are the numbers up though from like before like March like 2020? Oh no 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 never not from the original start date. Of okay, course. so like but like so the, or maybe I don't know. I mean I'm not informed that like I'm like what's going on up to up to date with this, but I assume with more people getting vaccinated that the numbers are going down from the from the start, right? So yeah. it, in the NFL the same kind of thing will apply where where last season if there was no games canceled if there were barely any outbreaks, what makes you think that now this year when more more of the people who are vaccinated that they're no outbreaks will actually happen. There will be like, yeah. be like one the whole season, maybe. I mean, we'll I maybe know. see like a few position groups, you know, have it and have to miss a game. But at the end of the day, it's better than having to reschedule and flip flop because. But Frank, you know, think about it. if there's four receivers though. If there's like a, a group of four receivers and seventy five percent are vaccinated, that means like three of them most like they are fully vaccinated. So that and means like six Hopkins, seven. But, but, but all right, whatever, Frank. Whatever. Let's say there's seven. Five of them. Five of them. That's being five of them have it. The, the vaccine that means only two of them at most who missed a game so it wouldn't even be like the full receiver group that missed a game it would be two of them yeah, at the end the of game. the day by the time the nfl season starts they're anticipating like 90 percent are vaccinated so it may yeah except maybe more people will get it before the season starts you don't know them, like over a month like a month and a half yeah. before the season starts that's plenty of time yeah. yeah that's plenty of time to even get both shots so mm-hmm. 
And we know fans will get it because I want to go to an NFL game next season and I believe you have to be fully vaccinated. So I'm definitely going to, or I don't think you have to. I, I don't know. I'm, don't even Probably depends on the uh, I don't the know. Team. Depends on the Probably state. depends on the team. I mean, we'll just have yet. to get like the thing on our phones like uh, and show like with the when they, because they're going to give everyone like new plastic vaccine cards, like uh, ones yeah. that are not the paper ones. They're going to start mailing those out. All right, now let's talk about Michael Thomas, though. He just had ankle surgery. I mean, he's caught, you know, kind of a tough break with injuries. Uh, this is resulting from the injury he sustained last September. He expected to miss about four weeks of the regular season. And the Saints are reportedly shopping for free agent wide receivers. They're going to need to add a few guys because, you know, obviously, but no one can replace Michael Thomas, who's still a top five wide receiver in the league. This is tough, though. And uh, it's going to hurt James Winston a lot, I think, and could, you know, bring him off to a slow start and could be a big problem for the Saints. What do you guys think? Yes, certainly. I mean, just for Michael Thomas, this kind of happened last season. Remember when he, you know, got hurt week one versus Bucks? They thought he would come back at like two, three weeks. Remember that, guys? And he went on first take even. And he's like, I'll be back soon. I'm, I'm back ASAP. And he didn't come back for like another four or five weeks until like that the second Bucks game, I think. So he had a lingering injury last season. I hope it doesn't, you know, happen again because this kind of reminds me of the same thing that happened last year where he's going to miss two, three weeks and he'll be back. But this sucks, man, because this is a guy who is probably in 2019 was the best, maybe top two wide receiver in football in 2019. And, you know, to miss, to have two years, it's like a Saquon type thing where two years in a row, it's just, eh, it's, it's tough, man. You have to wonder why he waited until now to take, to have the surgery. Maybe they were expecting it to get better and it didn't. So that's unfortunate, but. Well, yeah, they I should mean, have planned it out with a timeline. You think that would have made him, if he had the surgery, he could be back for training camp first off and second of all, at least for the season. This was kind of a pretty bad like mess I mean, up. I'm guessing it didn't heal as they expected. There, I, yeah, because there's no way they would wait until now. There's, they wouldn't plan to wait until now. I'm sure something went wrong. Just like with the That's whole thing, kept getting worse and worse. But yeah, the Saints are screwed. Uh, they, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders up in free agency. The receivers now are Deontay Harris and um, Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of Kamara in the slot, a lot of Latavius Murray kind of starting at running back. Because well, what, what about the what about the tight end position too? They, lo- they well, lost yeah, Jared Cook and what they have, and what they have is Kamara and Latavius Murray. Those, those are two best skill position players. They're going to have to be on the field at all times. Um, Taysom Hill is probably going to see a lot of snaps. Just they just got to use what they have, and what they have right now is not much. They're not. Yeah, in a the great Saints spot are going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be in trouble. And you know, like I said, I think it could hurt Winston a lot too because just from a confidence standpoint, uh, not having your best guy there and you know, kind of safety blanket to go to on third downs, and you know who know will be open on most of his plays. Not for the first four weeks, not be able to get reps with them in training camp. It's going to mess up their timing and everything. You know, even down the line in the season, I think that's huge. Um, and it could have a serious downfall in the Saints season. Yeah, they're they're in serious trouble. I see a lot of people think they're going to be competitive for like a wild card spot. I don't think so. I, I think who's the number one receiver now? They lost Emmanuel Sanders as well. It's going to be Traquan Smith and uh, Deontay. I could see them. I could see them being an eight to ten win team, but you know, it all depends on Winston and Winston not having Michael Thomas for the first four weeks is going to be a huge problem. I don't know, Frank. This reminds me of like the Patriots last year, where everyone was like brainwashing themselves into thinking that Sean Payton, the coaching staff, could overcome the lack of talent. And it just never kind of happened. It's tough, man, to overcome talent. You just as as great of a coach as Sean Payton is, it's just tough. Well, and and Bill Belichick couldn't like do a, last season too. They have like a similar roster, like, but it's just a new quarterback. I mean, and Breeze wasn't that great last year, anyways. Yeah. 
but still losing like a mind like Drew Brees, it still hurts. He's basically like a second coach out there. And then, you know, Jameis Winston still has his questions. Well, they also have some cash, uh, cap space casualties as well. So, I mean, it's it's tough. It's going to be tough to overcome yeah. this is what I'm saying. They, I mean, lost, they lost their tight end. They lost their they lost Emmanuel Sanders. And now they don't have Michael Thomas. Like, they're screwed. In the NFL, what does every good team have? Just loads and loads of skill position players. The Saints don't have any of that. It's as simple as that. Yeah. How many receivers do the Buccaneers have? 15? Do they have 15 different guys they can throw the ball to? How about the Bills? How about the Chiefs? I mean, the, the Saints don't have anybody right now. And with Michael Thomas, like, they legitimately have one of the worst skill position groups in the NFL. It's really just Alvin Kamara. Like, the receivers are god-awful. They don't have a tight end. And, you know, Latavius Murray's all right. I'll give him that, but... I'm sure they'd much rather have a good receiver than like a solid. They're gonna be starting. To, they're gonna be starting Taysom Hill, a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be on the field all the time, whether a tight end or receiver or in the yeah. backfield or something. Mm-hmm. They don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, last but not least, Cam Akers tore his Achilles while training a few days ago, and this was just devastating. He was one of the breakout candidates of the year. We saw what he was capable of in the playoffs last year, and everybody was, you know, anticipating for him to have a huge season. Um, this is a huge blow for just NFL fans in general, and even the Rams, because I think they were really expecting him to help them take that leap to be a Super Bowl contender. You know, without him, I think they could still be good, but it definitely hurts. Obviously, the running back position isn't the most valued position these days. They have Daryl Henderson, who I know PFF loves. He's always their number one ranked running back. But <laughs> seriously, you know, Cam Akers, it's it's just a devastating injury. There's no way around it. I mean, yeah. Like you said, running back position is, you know, very replaceable. We've seen that around the league. But Cam Akers was in line to have, you know, a great season. After that Patriots game last year in the regular season, he kind of showed everyone that he was going to be legit and finally break out once he got touches. And, you know, we were all expecting him to have a great season. I thought he would, you know, go for over 1,000 this year and probably be around the 10-touchdown mark. But there's still some free agent running backs available. They're still going to acquire someone in a trade. Todd Gurley's so we'll still available. Yeah, but Todd I mean, Gurley's bro. I mean, he's on one knee. I sound like one leg, guys. I don't know how much he'll help. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he was you look really at a team bad like maybe season. The Colts, so that you know, they have Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, and Naheem Hines. Maybe try and get Marlon Mack. You know, he's coming off an injury. I mean, there's some guys out there that you can get. Maybe Melvin Gordon because you know Javante Williams is doing so well in camp. Um, so we'll see. They're going to do something at the running back position. Obviously, they're not going to produce as well as Acres did, but you know, I still think they're going to, you know, put more of the you know, shoulder on Stafford now, um, you know, in the passing game with Cup and Woods. So we'll see. But I still think they're a playoff team regardless. I don't know about – I don't think they're just going to change their whole offensive, you know, plan just because Cam Akers is gone. They'll, they'll find – I don't think they're going to look out of house for a replacement. I think Daryl Henderson is low-key going to be the guy who's going to come in there and be the guy. Like, well, you're going to have just, to add someone to the backfield, though. because Yeah, oh, okay, for sure. But I think he'll be RB1. And last season, he showed some flashes. Obviously, he wasn't you know great the entire season. But I remember, like, the, the game versus Philadelphia, he had, like, three touchdowns. So he, he was pretty good for them last season. And, I mean, look, Cam Akers is a stud. He – he pretty much won me that that one week where versus the Patriots, he got like 40 points in fantasy. He was a beast. And I was certainly looking forward to, you know, him having another fantastic season this year, um, coming in his second year with the full, you know, season of being the number one back. So it's, it's really tough. And injuries just suck. I mean, it happens. And, and these always suck because it's always like, probably like getting hurt like this time of year is the worst because you've been training the last couple months to get ready for the NFL season. And, it just it sucks that this is like the time right before the season, especially for a guy like Cam Akers who 
we know is going to have a big season or was going to have a big season. Like it was no surprise that he was going to get the touches this season to be great. And maybe being like a, a pro bowler, pro, maybe a pro bowler. I think that would, wouldn't be too surprising. And definitely sucks um, for him. But as for the Rams, I don't really see, um, I don't really see this move, like altering their title chances. I still think that this the offense will take a step back from having no Cam Akers, but this is still a team that's a, a real top-tier threat in the NFC to win the, um, the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're the second-best team in the NFC by far, I think. I think there's a huge drop-off, actually. Um, yeah, because then you get the Vikings. The Vikings might be the third-best team. And that's they a might be, and that's, that's scary because they're yeah, not on who the knows, And who knows with the Packers now? So it's Because like the football team or Cowboys, like, they're not really on that level of like contending truly, in my opinion. No. I mean, and, you know, the Saints lost Michael Thomas. They could have been a team for the wild card spot. But, you know, you still got the Niners, who I think, you know, will be back. Yeah, the they'll Niners be solid. Will, well, the Niners the will be the best team. Still got the Seahawks, who I think could still be solid. Still got the Cardinals. That You know, that whole division could make the playoffs now. But, you know, the the Bucks are by far, you know, better than everyone else. But who knows? You know, come playoff time, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh any closing remarks and that's going to be actually that's going to be it because we're not going to do closing remarks we don't we never do that i don't know why I've, i even brought that up but that's going to be it uh for the sneaky sports podcast season three episode number 54 we appreciate you guys sticking around for the full episode if you did make sure to subscribe down below guys click that red button if we haven't already hit 300 subscribers definitely hit that button um i believe we've gained you know like 85 subscribers over the past like like day so we, we really do appreciate you guys you know who are new anyone who's watching this who's new from the from our videos in the past um we appreciate it from if you're from you know any other platform we definitely appreciate it as well make sure to follow our socials our tiktok our instagram our twitter um and yeah that's gonna be it from us we appreciate it guys um if you're listening on audio make sure to rate or review our podcast whether it's apple Podcasts or spotify and we appreciate it guys we'll see you in the next one peace